Electricast. Welcome to Transforming 45, the podcast that celebrates the incredible power of passionate voices. I'm your host, Lisa Boat. Join me in conversation with heart-led humans who share their deeply personal stories of transformation. Transforming 45 is here to uplift, connect, and remind you it's never too late to write your next chapter. Hello, and welcome to this week's episode of Transforming 45. Uh, You will notice that I am in a very different location today, and that is because my guest today is Trish Beasley, who is a brilliant photographer and is launching or has been engaged in a project called 40 Over 40, where she is photographing women who are in their 40s and, and beyond. And I am here because I am going to be doing that. So I had my meeting with Trish this morning and we just thought, let's just record while I'm here. And so this is the first episode of Transforming 45 on the Road, which is very exciting. (laughs) (laughs) So welcome, Trish. I'm so happy to have you here today. Thank you for having me. I'm excited. I'm excited. I'm excited for your shoot. I'm excited for the project. Like we're almost out of completion. So that in itself has just been a goal of mine just to see what we can do with it. And the fact that it's almost there, it's like, I can breathe. I'm like, I did that. I cannot wait to see it at its completion. And we are going to dive into that project. And first I want to know, tell me your story. How did you get to where you are today in this moment? As being a photographer? Well, you know what? It kind of has transpired over several years. Um, when I was younger, I had a funny story. It was a boyfriend and my best friend was like, I want to see pictures of him. I, and I had one of those little Kodak point shoots that you would get from shoppers. Do you remember those? I sure do. They were like $5 to buy, but it was like $15 to develop. (laughs) Yes. And I didn't know anything. Just, I did not know anything, um, about, um, about, photographing or cameras or ISO or aperture, any of those things. I was just like, let me take a picture. Mm -hmm. And so, um, so I had, uh, taken some pictures of the the new boyfriend and his car and everything. And my girlfriend wanted to see, and I still had exposures left on the camera. And I was like, well, why don't I just take some pictures of you? And so, and to this day, she still has those images of her on her boyfriend's car, me on her boyfriend's <laughs> car, um, us at a park together because yes. we were at the park. Um, and all kinds. So she still has those photos. It's absolutely cost us a small fortune to get them. Um, and you know, when you're a teenager, you don't have that money. So, um, but yeah, so, so that's kind of where it started and I really enjoyed it and had some fun with it. And then of course, uh, like many, when I got older, started having kids. I mean, I've always been I loved photos, you know, but it was never really one of those thoughts that I, I thought about doing for a long period of time or anything like that. It's just fun. And I actually wanted to be a police officer when I was for the, like the longest time, like up until I was probably, honestly, up until I was probably about 25, I really wanted to be a police officer. And that was kind of my goal. I had gone to college. I went to uh, Seneca College. 
my certificate of law enforcement. So that's where my left brain and my right brain. So the, the thinker and then the, the creative, they kind of work together. Um, but, uh, but yeah, so I, so my journey kind of like, it didn't start like, Oh, I know what I want to be. I'm going to be a photographer when I grow up. And, you know, for me, it was, um, I want to be a police officer because I want to be in service and help people. So this is kind of where it translates that I go to photography and what I do with what I how I do it now. But, um, and that being said, I, I kind of went through this journey. Uh, my first husband and I separated, it was me and my little guy. And it was kind of like, well, what do I do? You know, you just, you live to survive. Right. Mm -hmm. And, and do all those things. And then I met my, my number two husband, which is my current husband. Um, he, I'm going to keep him forever. He's pretty, <laughs> he's pretty good. Um, but I had gotten actually into a car accident. This mm -hmm. is kind of where it started. I moved out to, to Brampton where we lived originally. Um, and I moved out to move in with him and the first month there I got into a car accident mm -hmm. and I was like, okay. And we realized very quickly that it was severe enough. My shoulder, I had a shoulder injury and all the things. And I'd still been taking photos up until this point. Like it was just, you know, just more fun stuff. Cause I had kids. So of course I'm going to take a photo mm -hmm. of my son, photos of my son and so on and so forth. So I just had fun with it. It was really still just a hobby at that point. Um, and then, um, after the car accident, I had to go and leave. I, we got married and life happened. Mm -hmm. Right. And, during that time where I was pregnant with my second son, we had, you know, I, I just loved it so much. My husband's like, why don't we upgrade your camera? Like, why don't we go to something mm -hmm. a little bit bigger? We'll send you some classes and, and go from there. And so I did, I went there and I, then I met my first mentor there. I was like, I really like this. This is really cool. Um, and we started, you know, I started learning under him and eventually I became his assistant. And then, you know, we, we started working together, um, quite a bit as a colleague. And then he had recommended me to work at Sheridan college as a teacher in photography. So I was like, that just kind of just went like, it just, and the funny thing is, is that, yeah, I was working full time, but when I went back from the medical leave because of the shoulder I was basically told by my boss you're either going to quit or I'm going to find a reason to fire you. And yeah. And I was like, you know, mm -hmm. that's kind of illegal. <laughs> Just so you know. Yeah. Um, and so I, I looked at my husband and said, it's not going to be a really good working environment for me, but what do I do? Because I had the shoulder injury. I couldn't bag anything at Walmart. Like it just wasn't going to like, you know, we had a small guy as well. So, you know, it was going to cost like a thousand dollars a month in daycare and all the things. And, and so he looked at me and said, you have a camera in your hand all the time. Just make it your business. You, you already wanted to do it part-time, just go full-time. And I thought, oh, okay, but you know, how does that happen? Like what happens when you turn a hobby into a business, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. you, it all of a sudden it becomes, I don't want to do this anymore. Like it's, you know, but for me, we're like 13 years in and I'm like, I'm doing this. <laughs> I just have so much fun with it now. And, you know, it, it's trial and error. Um, so, yeah, I did start working with Sheridan or for Sheridan as an instructor. I would teach their basic course. And then um, I was shooting a lot of weddings. So they asked me to create the wedding and events course for them, which I did. Um, and then they asked me to create their business course for them, which I did. And so I teach those courses with Sheridan 
And, uh, and then of course we moved from Brampton here to Barrie. Mm-hmm. Um, and we moved in 2019. So it was mm-hmm. right before the pandemic hit. Um, so we weren't one of those people who moved up because of the pandemic. We were, cause people were like, Oh, you're the pandemic people. I'm like, no, no, no. <laughs> we chose to the come pandemic here. People. We, yeah. We chose to come here before the world shut down and all the Torontonians were moving up here. Um, so we moved up here in 2019. And we, um, we basically, you know, got unpacked and I didn't have a studio space. Um, in my old house, it was conducive to having a space in my basement and this new house was not conducive to that. So, um, it was a very, very slow winter that winter for me. Um, but then I found a studio space here in Cookstown, um, and it was a smaller one than what we're in now. It was only 500 square feet. We really only need. 200 square feet really don't need much room and um i started my business there and i literally opened up on international women's day so Mm. i am very much one of those people who believes in the power of women i believe in equality i have very strong morals and values when it comes to that i don't think that women should be only getting only 70 percent on the dollar like it's just Uh it's not you know when i was a kid i used to get in trouble a lot as a kid because my parents would be like go clean up your brother's room and i'd be like got two hands he's got two legs let him go do it he's gonna make a wife happy someday if he knows how to make his own bed and so my parents of old school would be like that's not the way it works you need to clean up after him and take care so I was I've always been that person who argues (laughs) about women's rights and equality and um I've been called a feminist I I no, I'm not. I just believe in equality. I love it when my husband opens up the door for me or pulls out a chair or brings mm-hmm. me flowers or something like that. Like, you know, it's very, it's, it's kind, it's a kind thing to do. Just like I would open the door for him if he happens to be holding something or whatever the case is. Mm-hmm. And so, but I've always been about letting women know that you are so much more than what, what compartment people have put you in. Mm-hmm. Um, and that has always been been a part of my, since I can remember really just, I was a kid arguing with my parents, (laughs) you know? So, so we went to there and, and so during COVID while I'm opening up my studio on international or just before COVID, I opened up my, my studio on international women's day. I was so proud. I'm like international women's day. I'm doing this workshop and I'm going to teach all these great people about how to use their cameras. I'm super excited and stoked. And we had a great workshop. And then a week later, we had to shut down. And I'm like, so not only did we have to shut down, but it was my anniversary. So (laughs) so I was like, well, this isn't fun. Um, And then, of course, we all got stuck at home for Mm -hmm. two years. So it's like, hi, welcome to Barry. Now you have to stay inside for two years. So I didn't have a huge network um, of people that I knew that I could rely on, that I could, like, expand out my business. So I was really, I did a lot of different things, like, I would do webinars on my Facebook page and things with my kids because we were all bringing our kids to work at that point. Um, And, you know, we just kind of built it out. And then what ended up happening is I started looking at mentors that were doing more family and baby stuff because that's what I really focused in at that time. And and they meet you like and, and during during one of those segments that I was watching, she had introduced another photographer who was a mentor. And I thought, oh, well, I want to go check out her as well. Um, and 
I went to her name is Sue Bryce. I will mm-hmm. say her name 10,000 times over. I love her. Um, so I went to her, um, her website and I started looking up and I, her programs and thought, all right, I'll buy in. Let me check out the Kool-Aid and see what happens if it's, you know, and she, the first thing she said is look at your, your portfolio. What do you love to shoot? Not what do you shoot, but what do you love to shoot? And I realized that I was shooting a lot of women. I was shooting a lot of models, just like pageant girls, that kind of stuff. Um, I really loved portraiture. Um, I was okay with working with men and I was okay with working, you know, that kind of side of it. But really I was focusing in on women. And so what ended up happening in the first shutdown is I got rid of all my baby stuff. And that was a huge step for me. So I got rid of all the baby stuff. And then we turned around and uh, we started working again for a little bit. And then we got shut down again after Christmas. And I was like, oh my God, not again. And so then I started really diving deep into my portfolio because you cannot, as Sue says, you cannot sell what you do not love and do not believe in. And so this is when we, I started, you know, cultivating a community of women because I feel strongly about sisterhood. I feel like we should straighten each other's crowns. Like there's no, Uh you know, and there's no I in team. I always look at the women around me as my team. Um, You know, we're the largest street gang on the planet. (laughs) (laughs) Look at it. Very true. And so I started doing more women's photography because that's what I really loved. And really rebuilding the portfolio. So some of the images that you can see behind you were done during that time and it kind of cultivated. And then, you know, the 40 over 40, that's really how the 40 over 40 was born coming out of COVID. We realized, or I realized and many of the photographers in my mentoring group realized that women, it was mainly women that were stuck at home with their kids. There was no reprieve, right? We go to work, we get away from our kids for six hours a day. That's kind of like, even though we're working for somebody else or even working for ourselves, that's our me time, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. But we didn't have that. We couldn't separate because we were with our kids all day long. And there was a huge demand for women to just start remembering who they were. And you know, kind of saying, okay, I'm not just about being in service to everyone in my family and doing all these things. I need something for me. And so this is where Ignite Your Confidence came back because, you know, I started thinking about it when I was eight years old. And I explained this story to you, right? Mm -hmm. So when we were eight years old, we're on the soccer field or the baseball diamond and there's a boy there and he's saying to you, uh, no, I'm stronger than you are. And you're like, oh, hell you are not. And you're kicking that ball or throwing that ball farther and start because you've got all this confidence and you think you're amazing. And then you hit puberty and your body's changing. And while it's changing, you're kind of unsure about what's going on um, and trying to figure out where you are because your parents still looks at you as a child, but they're giving you responsibilities that are more than being a child. So you're kind of confused in that way. Uh That's usually when teenagers become a little more sassy. We think like, why are you being such a jerk today? And (laughs) it's because I'm confused. Right. And then in our twenties, we're chasing our um, careers because we're off to college or university. And in our thirties, we start chasing family. Right. Because that's, Uh that's the thing. And then you hit 40 and your kids are grown up or they don't need you as much. And you're kind of like, what Uh do I do? You've been of service to so many people and so many different people. You've held so many hats for so long 
that you have forgotten who you are as a person, you know, and the idea behind the 40 over 40 is to reignite that confidence that you have inside of you, like you were when you were eight, Mm -hmm. right? The sassiness who you were when you were a teenager, right? That uh, motivation and inspiration who you were when you were 20 chasing your career, like that's who you were before you started chasing family mm-hmm. and started devoting your time to that. And so when we bring you into the studio, we do that and we start doing the calls and you've experienced it so far. And it's just, you know, we do the the initial call where we start talking about everything um, and what this means for me and for you. Um, and then we, we do the consultation, which we did, just did. And uh, so it's just kind of, it's, it's one of those, it's a, it's a session. It's a day designed for women, specifically for women to help them see themselves how I see them. Uh-huh. If that makes sense. It makes, per- it makes perfect sense. And yeah. oh gosh, there's so many themes that I want to pick up from <laughs> for talking through, through your story, right? That's yeah. what, um, and I want to go, I want to start with COVID for a minute because I don't think there has been an episode yet or a client that I work with that when I, in, when they initially come to me, a sentence inevitably starts with during COVID. I, yeah. And so although COVID was an exceptionally difficult time mm-hmm. globally, right? Lots, yeah. of, lots of people lost a lot. There's a lot of mental, um, yeah, just it was so hard on so many people. Yes, yeah, yeah, really was. And it also was a time of reconnection to the self. Yes, and re and discovery. Yeah, right. And when I was listening to your story, and you were talking about, at you know, early in my life, I loved photography, yeah. and then we morph and change, particularly when we were growing up. The options that are available now weren't. Right. Like I would never have even considered being an entrepreneur because that was something like way, way out of any of my frame of reference. Yeah. There was no plan of this. There was no no plan to do this. I literally wanted to be a police officer. Yes. I wanted to either be a Metro if I decided to stay, you know, within town or eventually get up to Mm CSIS. And Mm -hmm. so I was like on this path, like there was no, and, and then I had my son and then I, uh, my ex-husband and I split and it was like, well, I can't do this anymore because I have a child now and I don't have a partner anymore. Mm -hmm. What happens if something happens to me? What? So again, my, my life then turned to service for him. Right. Right. Um, and, and we talk about how much we give up and our kids really don't know that, you know, you (laughs) give up on your dreams, you know, whatever they might be, because what happens right now is the thing that we need to take care of. Mm -hmm. Like we have those responsibilities and my job is to make sure that I care for you, take care of you, that you stay alive, that you stay. I always say that if I can get you to 18, then you're on your own. Under 18, I'm in trouble by the government, but over 18, you are on your own. Um, yeah. I still think it's, I think if they just changed it to 16, which is even better because I figure if you can drive a car, then you should really be 
Yes. <laughs> With having a 16, almost 17 year old and an 18 year old. So, yeah. This yeah. Is, this is my world. I got you here. <laughs> Don't do anything stupid. So they, they still need a lot. I think two of guidance. They still need a lot. Oh, it's important. Oh, they're, they are the best of times and the worst of times yeah. all at the same time. Yeah. But mostly in my, and I know everyone's motherhood journey is very different and I tried to be really cognizant of that, but I really, one of the things I always knew was that I wanted to be a mother. Mm-hmm. And so I, you know, value, really, really value my role as mother, but over time have come to understand that it's not my identity. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It is a role that I play and the love that I have for my children. Yeah. And now that they're older, I also just enjoy their company. Yeah. Like that's the fun thing about older kids uh, is that you get to have a different kind of relationship with them. And it's and, a conversation that, and I noticed that, and it, it yes. definitely is different from boys to girls. Um, and I'll be like, when I talk to my daughter now, she's seven, mm-hmm. and eight. Mm-hmm. And the conversation is so different because you know, when we were kids, we, we didn't have access to everything that they have going on. now, uh-huh. And so some of the things that come out of her mouth, it's like, I can't believe you just said that. Uh-huh. And so with the 40 over 40 and how I really like the way you see me here in this moment, the way you see me when I'm photographing uh-huh. is exactly the way I am at home. I have a very strong personality. <laughs> call it. Um, but I want my daughter to see that you don't need to be shy and timid. Yes. You know, there's, uh, and they've been doing this. I've seen promotions and different, different shows about the terminology, terminology, just a girl. Yes. And I, you know, and they're trying to change the, the perception of what that means. Mm-hmm. Right? Uh-huh. Um, and I saw this thing, I just thought it was so profound and uh, amazing. And so when my daughter, when I'm with my daughter, I under, I let her know it's okay to be just a girl, mm-hmm. but what does that mean? It means you're strong. It means you're smart. It means that you can accomplish anything that you want. And that you don't need to give up your identity to be those things. Uh You can be a mom if you want. You can be an entrepreneur. You can be whomever you want to be, but don't give up your identity. Yes. Um, And so when she sees me living that true, authentic self Uh of who I am, I hope that when she gets to 40, she's not going through this reignite my confidence because she's had it and she's been taught all her life that. I am, I'm good enough. Mm-hmm. And that is kind of where it goes, right? Am I good enough? I need to do all these things in service of other people so that people will like me Yes, and do. And so there's, there's so many different facets to this when we do it. Mm-hmm. Um, and it hits a lot of pain points for a lot of women, especially in our age group now. Yes. Right. Because we were, you know, generation X, we're like, we're like, you know, we were raised by boomers. So of course we are bad. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know if you can yeah. say that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We, They're swearing here. <laughs> oh yeah. Good. So we can say that we are bad at, yes. but at the same time, we're still very unsure because we were also taught to be in service yes. of other people. It's not me, me, me. It's how can I help you? Yeah. I often think about the contradictions that formed the world that we grew up in, right? Like I, people will often ask me, 
how do you have such a strong sense of self? Like, how do you know that you are important? Because it's clear that you know that about yourself and you treat yourself that way. And I had a mother who was a total powerhouse. Mm. And I watched her show up as herself. I watched her evolve and change over time. Like she was a stay-at-home mom with me when I was little. And then she became a secretary in a law office. And, uh, you know, just at the end of her life, she had finally realized her own dreams. And so I watched this journey that she went on while at the same time was constantly in this place of needing to be perfect Mm -hmm. to serve everybody in her world. Mm -hmm. And there, it was such a contradiction to me. And I've told the story before, but when I was with her, when she died, she was diagnosed with cancer when she was 52 and died Mm -hmm. within months. Mm -hmm. And she was furious leaving this world, like went out in a ball of flames, angry because it had taken her until her fifties to be able to stand in her own power. Yeah. And well, no, that's not right. She'd always stood in her power, but it was in a way that was in service to other people. And she was finally being in service to herself. And so it was that moment where I thought, I don't ever, I do not want to leave this world that way. Yeah. I, and, and I want to inspire other women to do the same. Mm-hmm. And so when we were growing up, we, we had that sort of contradictory element in our world because we also were growing up in this time of like female empowerment, Yeah, right? Like the yeah. women musicians and Lilith Fair. And one of the, I'm going to put this out to the universe right now, because one of the conversations I really want to have is with Sarah McLaughlin. And talk to her about (laughs) like that movement that was so um, vibrant in the nineties and not that there were not issues, right? Like there was a lack of diversity. There was like, there wasn't, it was mostly white women's voices. Like it's not that it was perfect, but there was this forward momentum Mm -hmm. of women coming to the forefront. And then now we are seeing this massive pushback on that this repeal of women's rights. And one of the things I wonder, and this is the conversation I want to have with her is we were young women when that was happening and we didn't know, like we still had motherhood and careers and all of of that ahead of us. So we were in this phase of like pure potentiality. Then we went into the world of that we had grown up in, in the, like in that boomer world. And now we're, we're in a place where I feel like, it's time to revisit Lilith and pour that kind of energy. Now that we're coming at it with this deep experience, knowledge, wisdom. And you only hit that. Like, so I know for me, um, and just what you said to the boomers to, to revert. I remember sitting on the couch in our living rooms. My grandparents raised me and my mom was around, but it was really my grandparents that, take the credit for this, just so you know. Um, And so I remember sitting on the couch and I remember my grandfather, he would vacuum every so often. um, And he would look at me and say, you need to be a doctor or you need to be a lawyer or you need to. So all these great, powerful, very educated positions. 
but then they would say, you need to find a husband and you need to have babies. Yes. And you need, so it was we like, needed to be all things. We needed to be all the things. Mm-hmm. But if you're, and I don't know if anybody's seen the Barbie movie. Have yes. you seen it? Oh, twice. And there's like <laughs> this whole soliloquy of mm-hmm. where, um, oh my God, I can't remember her name now. It's America Ferreira America is the Ferreira. actress. Yes. And she goes on about, you know, we have to do this, but we can't do that. But they expect this and we, you know, it, and it's just, it was like, I was just, I was sitting in the um, theater with my daughter. Now we didn't realize that seven-year-olds probably shouldn't have seen this Barbie movie. <laughs> <laughs> um, there were a lot of interest. I was like, oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Well, it's okay. Maybe there's some silly innuendos in there, but I was like, oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Um, but, it was, and I, I looked over at my daughter and then I looked at my husband <laughs> and I was like, I hope you're getting this. Yeah. Like that was my, and, but can I just say in the in the theater in that moment the first time I saw the movie the theater erected in applause yes and we it was, it was a small theater when we went it wasn't as full but I was like yes it was just like yes I hope you, you know it's mm-hmm. just you know and you can't say it enough some people are like oh it's so repetitive no 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 the more you say it the more it becomes natural to say yes um, but I know that when I hit forty. I was still doing the same thing, 41, doing the same thing, 42, doing the same thing. And somehow between 42 and 43, I finally learned the best word word in the whole world. And that is no. Yes. And so my husband would say, can you do my laundry? No. And do you know how it actually erupted? It was so funny the way this, this no erupted. I was having a conversation with my husband. I just had told him about all these schedules. I'm working my business. I have two kids, a toddler at home, one in school. You know, I'm only getting to work so often. And then I have to work on weekends when he's actually home so that I can go out and see clients and, and photograph. So I'm always going like, you know, full schedule. And I had spent probably about a half an hour to 45 minutes with him on the phone, telling him about all this stuff and things that we needed to do and so on and so forth. And he's like, okay, great. So can you do me a favor and call the doctor and make an appointment for me? And I thought, we've just been on the phone for 45 minutes. Don't yeah. tell me you don't have time <laughs> to call the doctor. I mean, and he, but it wasn't just call the doctor. It was like, so I can't go on this day and I can't. I was like, when did I become your secretary? And, and so I, I instantly said, no. I said, no, you know what? You have demands. Go call the doctor yourself and tell Mm -hmm. them. And the moment I said that it opened up this huge floodgate to being able to say no. So I started saying no to him. (laughs) And it wasn't like he didn't get angry. He didn't know that. He just didn't understand. Mm -hmm. And it was like, you know what? I need time for me. If you want time for us, I need time for me. Mm -hmm. And this is obviously pre COVID. Like we're, we're like, this is seven years ago or so. Yeah. Seven years ago. And, you know, and then as my children started getting older and they were more capable of doing things, the word no came back. Mm -hmm. No, you can go do your own laundry. They may not be good at it. Like she's seven years old, my daughter, the youngest, and she obviously she can't do her own laundry, but she knows how. Mm-hmm. She knows how to put the stuff. She can't reach the buttons. <laughs> you know, she yeah. doesn't understand that stuff. She's still a little, but I tell her to pick up her stuff. I tell her to bring it downstairs. I tell her to put it in the, in the laundry. Mm-hmm. So that's one less thing. And, you know, the more time you save me from having to pick up after you, the more time I have for you. Yes. Um, and so, so that word no became a huge factor in how this has evolved. Yeah. You know? 
And then the final push through was again, when we moved here in 2019, because I had had such a slow winter and such a slow year, just from preparing our old house to move, to moving to, okay, now we're in a new town. I got to figure out clientele. Um, I looked at my husband and said, do you think that I should just kind of quit altogether and then just get a full-time job? And he looked at me and he goes, you know, it might be beneficial for you to do that. And I was like, hold on a second here. My inner eight-year-old came back and again, she's learned to say no now. And I looked at my husband and I said, how many hours a week do you work? And he goes, I don't know, like 50, 60 hours a week. And you make good money for us, for our family. And I appreciate that. I'm grateful for you. Um, how many hours a week do you actually think I work? And I worked less than 20 because I had my daughter at home. She wasn't in daycare. Mm -hmm. um, my son was at school. So I was going back and forth with that. Um, and I had to be home by three o'clock always to pick him up. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. And I said, no, I said, no, think about how many hours you get to work and what you're making. If I devoted even half of the time that you're doing in your company for your work, what do you think could happen? And he's like, okay, all right. So we kind of, I, I basically said, no. I said, if it doesn't work in one year, done. Uh -huh. I'm out. It's fine. And so I, I shifted that as well. That's when we found the new studio and started doing all the things. And in that year, I tripled my income. That's incredible. Yeah. Yeah. And then I found my mentor and I tripled my income. And so now my husband looks at me and goes, okay, so clearly you can make more money because I made more money than he did that year. And he was, he basically said to me, I cap out at a certain rate. Mm -hmm. Your earning potential is, is just limitless. So if you need me to take a day off so you can go work, I'm going to take the day off. So now it has flipped. And so now my husband does the lunches for the kids. And now my husband, because he knows my target clients are online at eight o'clock after they've put their kids to bed at mm -hmm. eight o'clock. So I need to be where my clients are when they need me. And so he'll do the lunches and he'll get up early and he'll do the, and we still, we still share the responsibilities, but he's now under, he understands now yes. that he needs to, it's not just work, come home. It's work, get involved, be a part of the system and be a part of the process because what we do for one, we do for all. And when we do it for all, we all win. Mm -hmm. And, um, and that's a true partnership. It is right? a true partnership. And that is the shift that, that we are really looking at creating yeah. is it's not that, you know, I, I embrace the term feminism because it means that there's space at the table for everybody, right? Like yeah. that's what that's about. Yeah. And so it is, it is about creating a partnership where everybody is equally valued. Yes. Right. Yeah. All of the work, all of the work is equally yeah. valued. It is shared. Yeah. And that's what creates that sense of like, Oh yeah. We're all we're, important here. And we're a partner. I'm not doing it by myself. It's, yes. you know, I remember when we first got married, my grandmother absolutely loves my husband. Like she's passed now, but she loved him. Like to the point where she would say to him, if she doesn't do something, you call me and I'll make her do it. 
And so he would be like, if you don't make my lunch, I'm going to call your grandma. And so now it's really super funny because now I'm like, if you don't make my lunch, Mm -hmm. I'm not calling my grandma, but I'm going to tell you, if you don't make my lunch, you're not my friend anymore. Just so you know. Yeah. And so now it's shifted. So now he makes my lunch or he'll make my dinner. It's hilarious now to just see the shift. I think, um, and I always look at my grandmother as kind of my role model, right? Because yeah, she was a stay at home mom, but she was truly the first entrepreneur in my life because she ran a household with six children. She had nine grandkids. She reigned everybody in like nobody wanted to take off the old lady. Like that was kind of our thing. She was a force to be reckoned with. Uh-huh. Um, and when you look at all those skills as a stay at home mom that she had to have, you know, organization and scheduling yes. and, you know, she was the CEO of the she house, was the CEO of the house. Yes. And so even though we would look at her because that's the mentality we had growing up is, Oh no, she's just a mom. She stays at home. Mm-hmm. But if I had to pay someone to do everything that she did, yeah, it would be thousands of dollars a year, thousands of dollars yes. a year, like oh, yeah. made and at this and at that. And so, you know, it, it, it really, she really was that role model because she was so strong. Nobody wanted to take her off. Not even my husband, mm-hmm. my grandfather. And yeah. he was truly the patriarch of the family, but he knew who wore, wore the pants. Well, yeah, because yeah. that, like, and that work is so valuable. And one of the things I think about too is in that, you know, in that time where we were growing up, we really stigmatized the idea of yeah. being someone who stayed at home. And there is great value in that work. Yeah. Right. Oh, so much. It is. But because there is now, st- there's all the stigma around it. You're a stay at home mom. You sit on your butt. You don't do anything. You watch, uh, you watch your soap operas. Right. And that is not reality. Oh my God. <laughs> like, I like the way you framed it as like, she was the alt, like the first oh. entrepreneur. Absolutely. It is incredibly entrepreneurial work. Yeah. It is advocacy work. A lot of the time it is, it is, you know, deep caregiving. You, it is so powerful. Yeah. And one of the things that I, I am coming to appreciate about this entrepreneurial life, and it's one of the reasons why I think so many women are starting to shift their perspective and go, Oh, I can, I can actually create something. So that I can work the way I want to and value all the other things in my life as well. You have to. And that's where, what I learned from Sue, um, Sue also does talks on self-value and stuff. And so every now and then when I'm feeling down and dumpy, I just, I listen to me some Sue and I, Mm -hmm. I literally instantly get lifted and all of a sudden my perspective changes. But in saying that with her, you have to really dive in deep and you have to know what you love because, you know, I loved photography and I was really worried that if you turn that hobby into something more, that it doesn't become fun. Mm -hmm. And for a long time, it wasn't just fun anymore because I was shooting things that I didn't love. 
sense. And so you know what my enthusiasm is when I start talking about how we're going to play and have fun. And, you know, it's, I, I describe it as, and I've said it mm -hmm. several times, you know, you remember when you were 16 years old and you would hang out with your friends and you felt very powerful and confident with your friends because there was trust mm -hmm. there and you would get dressed in your room. You had the music going and you would pose and like Madonna was a big thing. Like, I mean, yes. Yeah. Madonna, you guys. Yes. <laughs> and so, um, and she was such a pinnacle force of nature, especially growing up for mm -hmm. us in the time we were growing up. Yep. Um, because she was just awesome. And uh, so I describe it as that because we get to go back to that 16 year old self as a 40 year old or 40 plus year old. And, you know, I, I say you turn 40 and all of a sudden you turn into Yoda. Right. Like that's what you turn to you. Yeah. So all of a sudden, you know where the peanut butter is. I know mm -hmm. you're feeling me here. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, you know where the shoes are that your kids left. You because, know where everyone's keys are. You know where everybody's keys are. But you also know that this too shall pass. And you know that there is always a solution to every problem. Yes. If you step back and look at it. Because we've been problem solving for so many years for Absolutely. everyone else. We are the brains for the three, four, five, six other people that are living in our homes. Mm -hmm. And we've basically done all this. So we understand that concept of this too shall pass. Mm -hmm. And we know that life is not over when, when something happens. When my, my very first boyfriend, my daughter is um, in kindergarten and she, she started dating right. a yeah. boy and mm -hmm. got engaged. They were engaged <laughs> to be married. And it's funny because his dad's a videographer. So he, <laughs> and then, and then they divorced. Yes. Um, and I was mm -hmm. like, so can I still have play dates with his dad? <laughs> but it was really quite funny. And then in grade one, they broke up right. again. Right. And they broke up and she's like, my heart was just broken. And uh, she's like, I don't even know if I want to be in the same class as him. And I was like, one, you're seven. <laughs> Let's reevaluate this. Yes. And I said, let me explain something. No boy should ever, and I don't care how old you are, uh -huh. define who you are. Yeah. If he's chosen someone else, that's okay. Maybe that someone was meant for him, but that means he wasn't meant for you. Yes. And that is what you have to look at. Absolutely. And I was asked this question, I don't know, a couple of weeks ago around, what do you wish you had said to your younger self? <laughs> and so what I wish, but the main thing I wish I had said to my younger self was fall wildly and deeply and passionately in love with yourself. Yeah. Be so like in love and in wonder with who you are that no matter who or what comes in and out of your life, you are coming to it from a place of fullness and wholeness yeah. and that you never feel the need to chase yes. or to give yourself away that, you know, if someone comes in and wants to be part of your life and that feels good to you, great. And if they decide that they're no longer a part, they know, cool. Yeah. Like you, that's you do you. Yeah. Jimmy. Exactly. Yeah. And you might grieve, like you will, gr there will of always be grief and you will grieve the, like the missing that person, Yeah. but it's not going to crush you yeah. and make you feel like you have to change yourself. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I actually, it's funny that you say that because so my niece, one of my nieces is starting high school this year. Mm -hmm. 
And so on the first day of school, I texted her first thing in the morning because you know what? It's hard going to high school, especially now. Yeah. There's just so much social media and anything can go wrong. And I said to her, are you excited? Are you worried? Are you like, what's going on? And she's like, yeah, I'm excited. I said, look, I'm going to give you the three best pieces of advice that you will ever get. The first one is go into that school. Like you own it mm -hmm. because when you go in, like you own it, no one's going to mess with you. That's number one. Number two, stay true to yourself. Never let anyone else dictate who you should be. And three, always know you have an aunt who will come in and have your back. <laughs> so those are the three rules that I said to her. And I, you know, and I, I tried to instill, cause I have, I have three nieces and their mother is very, very strong. Um, and their stepmother is very, very, like they've got very great personalities and they want to see their daughters be strong. And so I, I surround the girls, especially in our family, um, to understand, uh, there's more to life than, than what you see right in front of you. Uh -huh. um, if I had looked at my younger self, I literally would have said, stop, wait, and watch first. Yes. Um, there are so many things that I would have loved to have done in my twenties that I did not do. Um, because I was again, chasing career, chasing family, chasing all the things because of the expectations that were set. Yes. Um, but you know, and, and generally as women, and it was fun. Sue actually mentioned this. So this is why I'm bringing it up because I think it was just a phenomenal thought process. What happens, and this is you, when you were talking about your mom, how she had missed out on all these things and she would ask you to do, Hey, why don't you do this? Cause it's something you wanted uh -huh. she wanted to do, but she's pushing it on you. Right. And so all of a sudden, you know, you, as a parent, you want your kids to do all these things that you didn't experience. Uh -huh. So I, you know, I was a cheerleader in high school and I really, my daughter went to do gymnastics and I was like, well, gymnastics is full. So we put her in cheerleading instead. Well, I really like cheerleading. And it took me a second there to be like, did I just push that on her because that's what I wanted to do? Or is it something that she really wants to do? So I am, you know, we have to look at ourselves as we get older and go, are we pushing these okay. things on our kids? Okay. So you know what? Instead of pushing my kid to go do cheerleading, I want to go do it. Yes. I'm going to live that life. Like you said, your mom got angry yeah. because she couldn't, she finally realized who she was and she didn't have enough time to, to live her life. Mm -hmm. And so again, when I turned 42 and started saying no, I started saying, Hey, I'm going to do this. And that's it. And so it, it's funny because my husband's like, you wear a lot of black now. I always wear black. Mm -hmm. Always wear black. I don't do prints. And <laughs> um, and and people are like, why do you wear so much black now? And I was like, because I like the color black. I feel like I look good in the color black. I feel confident in the color black. But most importantly, I drop food on myself constantly, <laughs> and I am tired of taking out stains on my white shirts. And so I wear black Yes, and I dress very edgy and very, like you can see I'm wearing a jean jacket. I mean, it's a Canadian uniform. <laughs> so jean jacket, the jean pants, the tall set of boots and a black shirt. Like that's, yeah. you know. And, and it also takes us to like the fact that somebody feels they have the right to ask you. Yeah. That yeah. It, it, it only serves to reinforce how important this work that you're doing is where yeah. women get to show up 
as their like most authentic selves and have that be photographed and like have like be able to have that feeling. And so when someone asks that question, it's interesting because I was, I was having this conversation with a client around like, what do you owe? Like what kind of explanation do you owe somebody? And the answer is I don't owe anybody anything. Right. Like if someone asks me why I always wear pink, my response is what makes you think that you can ask me that question? I, I, because I, because I get to make my own decisions. I'm a grown ass woman and I get to make my own decisions. I, it it was funny because it was like one of those things where it's like, when I came into this huge realization of who I was, Mm -hmm. I'm a freaking awesome person. Yes. I am devoted to my family. I, I help women. I treat people with kindness. I give space in my world to them so that they can come to me and be fully open and in a safe space Uh where there's no judgment. And I help my community and I give to charity and I do all these things, you know, and what makes, why should anybody judge me? I am doing everything that I want to do in service of other people while feeling proud about those things. Yes. And, and, and being in service to yourself. Yes. Right. Like being in service to yourself does not preclude you from being in service to other people. And when you are in service to yourself first, that's what gives you the ability to give the way you give. Exactly. And you cannot give space to other people when you have not built the space for yourself. Yeah. Um, and I have, and I got it years ago, um, years and years ago, I was like 35. Um, I have tattoos on my back and the tattoos are respect, love, and loyalty because you cannot have any relationship, whether it's with yourself mm-hmm. or with others without those things, you need to respect yourself. You need to love yourself and you need to be loyal to who you are Yes, before you can give yourself to other people Mm -hmm. and it's on my back. So it's in a place that really only I can see it, you know, and every day when I have that moment where I'm like, okay, is this a good choice? Is this, am I making good choices Mm -hmm. today? Am I doing this in service of someone else? You know, am I doing it in service? Is it true to who I am when I am doing this? Mm -hmm. Um, Does it make me feel not nice. Mm -hmm. Right. And so I, I think about those tattoos and I go, Oh, okay. Hold on a second. Let's step back here a second. This doesn't fall into my core values of who I am and what I need. And if it doesn't fall into that, then we just say thank you, but no, thank you. Yes. Um, you know, because not everybody's core values will align with who you are. Um, and that's why I focus in a lot of women who are in my age group all have that set of core values. Mm -hmm. Some have realized it. Some have not yet. My job is to show them, give them space, a safe space, but also show them there's so much more and that they need to feel this for themselves. And we've had women, um, break down into tears and happy tears, just so you all know, Mm -hmm. (laughs) while they're here, happy tears. And they go, you don't, you don't understand how much I needed this to be reminded of who I am and and what I can achieve and accomplish. And there's a certain sense of accomplishment when you've done a photo shoot like this for yourself. Um, 
and you see yourself. Uh-huh. And so as I explained to you, right, we do the same day reveal before we've edited. Because a lot of people say, oh, well, you Photoshop that. Right. But I want you to see your power. I want you to see how good you looked and how gorgeous and how confident you looked. Because we don't just focus in on posing and uh-huh. making you pretty. That's a part of it. The idea behind this is looking inside yourself yeah. and then finding that inner confidence, that inner goddess. We love glitter here, but. Yeah. Um, so we find all of that and we help bring that out. And when you see that on the computer in these images uh-huh. where they haven't been retouched, where they haven't been touched yet at all and they're raw and you go, Oh my God, yeah, that is me. And Ooh, I'm going to get emotional because it just gives me shivers everywhere. Yeah. It's, um, you did it again. <laughs> it's okay. No that's what we do here. We swear we, and we cry. We swear and we cry. Okay, good. I put at least one of them today. Um, but it gives me such pleasure and joy mm-hmm. to know that I've seen that woman transform. Yeah. In that right. way. No, it's beautiful. It's, it's because beautiful. it shows like that this is the depth of who you are. Yeah. Right? This is yeah. this work is who you are and you are creating this space for, and I built this. This is not something that, Oh, I became a photographer and I'm going to help women because, you know, eventually it's going to make me lots of money, but that has nothing to do with it. It's literally been who I've been since I was eight years Mm -hmm. old being told to clean my brother's room. It has been that girl who's always had that, that, lioness sitting inside of her saying, I am so much more than what you're giving me credit for. Uh I'm not just a mom. I'm not just a wife. I'm not just a maid. I'm not just a chauffeur. Uh I am so much more. And I have so much to give to other people and to build them up so that they can see that. And when you look at it and you see the world, I can't wait. So we're doing a gala. You know that we're doing a gala for the women who are participating in the 40 over 40 and to see once we do the enlargements and see every woman walk in and see their image enlarged with their story Uh and in a magazine as well, because that's part of it. um, And just see all that power and that confidence and this, you know, and I'm, I hope everybody brings their husband with them because Uh when they see or their partner, or, their or partner, the, whoever, like, whoever yes. they love, whoever there is. Sorry, yes. it's their partner, whoever yeah. it might be. Uh, we're very inclusive, yeah. and so whomever it might be, when they come in and they see their partner sees, yes, an entire room full of women who are just lifted. Yeah. Like there's there's nothing we can't accomplish no. when we are in that space. And I explained and had talked to you about this where I kind of sometimes, you know, we all get seasonal. Some of us get seasonal depression. I know that I do. Mm -hmm. And you go low, 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 low. And I'll tell you when I look at photos of me and I'm like, oh, there she, that's her. That's the girl. I don't know what's happening down here right now. I know this too shall pass, but that's the girl who I am. Mm -hmm. And so it lifts you up. And when I get back to that space, so many more positive things happen and yes. it's like you I know we everybody talks about manifestation but it literally you open you're open to receiving yes 
And there is a difference between, yeah, I want to receive and being open to receiving. You're not asking for it. You're just saying, look, whatever falls into my lap falls. It doesn't mean you're not working for it. No, for sure. And it's actually something I've had this conversation multiple times in the last couple of weeks because (laughs) this shift is happening in me too. But I have, you know, we were talking, audience knows, like, this is a very new business for me. And I have felt like I had to constantly be omnipresent and always pouring into it. And I have some mentors who have been helping me also realize that you, but you still have to be open to receive. And if I'm constantly pushing out energy this way, there is no opportunity for reception because you are literally pushing outward. So giving yourself, and when I made that shift, that mind shift, it is incredible. The the things that have started to flow into my life, the opportunities that are starting to flow when I realized that, and that has always been my pattern that I had to rise up pour more than I actually had out into the world. And that that's what was going to make it happen. Yeah. And my realization is that it's actually, yes, I've created the container. Yeah. And I show up to it, but it is in a way that respects myself now and my own needs and recognizes that you can receive. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the thing, right? So you don't, um, with manifestation and how it really truly works Mm -hmm. is that you still have to put the work in. Oh yeah. You have to put the work in. And once you've put the work in, you know, then it starts to come in. You can't just sit there and go, I want a Lamborghini today and think that the Lamborghini is going to fall into your life. First of all, I don't know why anybody would want one of those things. You can't even, it's like the 401, right? You're going to be doing five kilometers an hour. Yeah. Um, but you can't just say, I want it. And then it's going to fall into your lap. Mm-hmm. You have to work towards making the money to, to buy the Lamborghini mm-hmm. and, how does that happen? Things, you know, you just, you have to do the work. Yeah. And sometimes it's more inner work where you have to work on your soul and you have to work on all those things, those childhood traumas. Mm. You know, we all have them. Everybody Everybody. has child. Everybody has a childhood trauma that they have to work for, work through, and they have to release it. Yes. You can't like, if you're every now and then I'll be like, Oh, do you remember when I was in high school and I said that thing and it really, and all of a sudden it comes back. It's like, why is it coming back mm-hmm. in high school? I'll bet you the guy that that happened with didn't even remember no. that it happened, it, but it's a trauma that sits there and you have to release that trauma and be yes. like, I'm going to own me. And that's it. Like when I say something silly or ridiculous or stupid and I'm like, Oh, for the love of <laughs> there it is again. Yep. There's Trish. And she it, did it. And it's yeah. that moment. It is that moment of reflection. And it is what allows you to own yourself. Yeah. Right? But it's right. so different in every form, whether you're being silly, whether you're being a jerk, whether you're being, you know, I said to somebody the other day, I was explaining something. I said, Yeah, my inner tired bitch just came. <laughs> I was exhausted and And that is real too. Yeah. I didn't want to deal with stupid. And I was like, I just, you know, this is it. Boom, 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 boom. Deal with it. And so I had explained to someone, I said, yeah, my inner child bitch came out because she's just (laughs) dumb. And so so it happens. So so yeah, it's, I mean, and we're always a work in progress, right? Like we never really truly Mm -hmm. stop learning, stop engaging stop feeling like all these emotions that happen at every stage in our lives. Yeah. Um, but I truly also believe that things happen from the time we are born 
to the time that we die. It's mm-hmm. leading us on a journey because that the journey that I had when I was eight and 12 and 13 and 15 and 16, all those traumas that I had defined and created the, the, um, the people in my lives, my mom, my, my mm-hmm. grandmother, my aunt, who was exceptionally strong. Like I, I just looked up to her like crazy. Um, they were exceptionally strong women and they had been through their own trauma, but you know, they were still trying to raise me as a strong woman, even though there was conflict, conflicting ideas, but all of those things happen to make me who I am now. And so I take those experiences and I put that back into my daughter, into other children Mm -hmm. so that when, you know, my nieces and stuff. And so when they grow up and not just my daughter, right. For my son too. Right. Mm -hmm. Because he needs to understand not just from a perspective as a woman, but he needs to understand as a man that these are the things that women go through. Yes. Right. And so he needs to acknowledge that to be a really good husband and to be a really good partner. Absolutely. Um, and so, so having these experiences have led me to here so that I can ultimately affect someone else in their life that may not have, have had that full experience, full experience or like that openness yet. They haven't, they haven't realized it yet. It's taken them a minute. Yeah. I cannot wait for you to capture my story and my journey and we'll be documenting it. Oh yeah. And for any listeners who are nearby, I challenge you. I challenge you to step out of your comfort zone and, and connect with Trish and just really think about that, that possibility of reconnecting with who you are and showing the like absolute gloriousness of who you are now. So all of her information will be in the show notes. Thank you so much for this conversation today. It was so so good. We could, we we could keep going forever. Thank you for joining me on this transformative journey. Your support means the world. If you resonated with our conversation and want to uplift the Transforming 45 community, here's what you can do. Connect with me about how you can reclaim your own magic. Check the show notes for all the ways you can find me. Subscribe and share. Hit the subscribe button so you never miss an episode. And if you found value here, share it with friends, family, and anyone seeking inspiration. Leave a review on your favorite podcast platform. Your words can make a significant impact and help others find their way to these transformative stories. Join the conversation on social media platforms. Follow us on Instagram at LBoat. You can also find me on Facebook and TikTok. And if you know someone whose story could inspire others, reach out and let me know. I love connecting with diverse voices that carry the power to transform lives. Remember, your support fuels my mission to share authentic stories of transformation. Thank you for being part of the Transforming 45 family. Until next time, keep shining your light and embracing your journey.
Electricast. Hey there, fabulous souls. I'm Stephanie Baklaan. And I'm Eden Alpert. And we're the hosts of the brand new podcast, Unapologetically Fab. Get ready to join us on an amazing and real journey as we dive into life after 40 and own it. We're all about changing the narrative, leaning into who you are and living a life by your own design. Join us as we embrace life unapologetically and redefine success. This is Unapologetically Fab. An electric cast production. See you there. Electric Acid. Hey guys, it's Miriam Love here. And I want to share something very special with you. Check out my new release, All In, the Spanish remixes, out now on Electric Cast Records. And always remember, be love, share love, all love. Available now wherever you listen to music. One, two, three, four. 